My name is Matt Brown. Let's start the show. What's up to the great world of the podcast and fear? This is Productive Conversations with your host, Matthew Thomas Brown, a.k.a. Matt Brown, a.k.a. Mr. Handsome, a.k.a. Mr. Wonderful, a.k.a. Never Gives Up, and is always focused, and he's ready to go on his next endeavor, his podcast, the Productive Conversations podcast, and here we go with this. So, I'm hyped, I'm excited, this is the first full episode, I recorded the trailer earlier, and now it's time to do what I've been looking forward to the most with this, po- con- with this podcast. Had genuine conversations with people, and why not start with one of the best and most genuine people I know, my brother Brendan Brown, aka Brendan St. Brown, up and coming vlogger in the YouTube world, and a star in the social media lacrosse world, as he is the face of Lax.com, so I have a great opportunity here to deep dive and uh, have a nice conversation about his work, dedication to his craft, about his life and all his cool stuff like that. It's really, really exciting to see and I'm really honored and glad to have him as my first guest. And you know, of course we butt heads like any other brothers, but he generally is one of the best guys I know and he is a great first guest to have on this. So without further ado, here is the very first full episode of the Productive Conversations podcast. Here he is, Britton St. Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. This is the Productive Conversations podcast, and we have my very first guest. He's one of the coolest people I know, one of the most genuine, and I'm very honored and lucky that he is my first guest on this podcast. I have here Brendan Brown, a.k.a. Brendan St. Brown. He is both the face of Lax.com, and he is an up-and-coming vlogger on the rise on YouTube. Brendan St. Brown, how are you today, man? What's going on, Breezy? I appreciate that introduction. Of course, man. I appreciate you coming on today. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. We were just chopping up before off camera. Um, I was working on the weekends like usual. I was down in D.C., Maryland, D.C. Just came back last night. Right now, um, for me, 
I think everyone you should have there you should have a few different hustles going on. You should always focus on health, health first. Um, so health health first in the morning. Go to the gym in the morning. Um, my my business, my main hustle is working at lax.com and then you know, that's my nine to five is lax.com and then my five to nine is YouTube. So right now I'm like three or four weeks ahead. I have about like five YouTube videos lined up right now, two that are ready to go. So for the next two weeks, I have two videos to post. I'm working, I'm probably going to post one later today and then just catch up on some, some, uh, YouTube editing, but that's what I've been up to. So YouTube, that's a big thing right now going on. Why YouTube out of all the platforms? Why YouTube? Okay. Um, see, I don't want to give away my secrets, but I'm going to share right now. Um, however though, right. Social media is, it's not going anywhere. I like to say we live in the virtual world, right? Me and you are speaking in the physical world right now, but a large portion of our day is spent on the visual world. I'm going to be giving away my secrets right now, but it's still in the early stages, right? I want to have influence. Why do I want to have influence? Because my purpose on this earth is to educate, entertain, and inspire by spreading hope, hustle, and health. Now, people, a picture says a thousand words, but a video says 10,000 words. And I think for those people who are listening right now, if you can spread your message through a video rather than pictures on Instagram, that's just, you're tapping into different psychology different psychological levels of the brain um, and YouTube I've identified is where I want to invest my time in. Um, I could be wrong. I could be right. But for me, I think YouTube could have a longer life than Instagram because Instagram has created a lot of FOMO and YouTube does the same thing too. But I think where I can spread my message of hope, hustle, and health YouTube is a better out. It's a better uh, vehicle for me. YouTube's not dying. Like, all right, YouTube. YouTube is everybody can get behind YouTube and like it. I think it is the most important. It is the most important, not tool, but it is the most important platform we got. You know, everyone can use it. Whether I want to watch, for me, if I want to watch a video, movie, video essay, you want to watch your own content, you want to watch SNL, you want to watch news. If you need to figure out how to change a tire, you go to YouTube. YouTube's everywhere and it's not going anywhere. Like, I I think it is the most, it's the best thing we got and it's my favorite website and it's cool that someone like you or anybody can use YouTube to, to their advantage. And of course, there's some people who don't use it and they do stupid stuff. Like, you know, Shoe Nice, the YouTuber and he you know eats a bunch of bullshit like he'll eat firecrackers but I mean that's how he became viral and somehow gets those ad numbers that engage whatever those engagement metrics YouTube really it's either I don't really want to say it's a curse but I guess only those who really make it a curse does it but I mean we grew up with YouTube I was I remember the first time with YouTube was like in middle school 2005 the first ones was the cupcake you know the muffins um that muffin girl or that shoes shoes that guy I, yo, where is that guy today i remember him yeah shoes was big um you remember the the backstreet no it was like the backdorm bros those those two guys who, like, and lip sync like they were the first tiktokers in a honestly sense yeah guys. who like lip sync like they were the first tiktokers in a honestly, sense with that yeah. and they did it in like all like non-hd standard um Set, not maybe 48 48480p yeah, but hey, they really set the mold and people get jobs on YouTube. People's careers are on YouTube. Uh, I mean, this podcast, we're watching it on YouTube at this moment. And, you know, eventually we'll go live. But look at this. We're on YouTube right now talking about YouTube. And that's the first subject with that. And like, what do you do? So if you say your day, like the way I use YouTube, I uh, I use YouTube in the gym during my treadmill workout. Then I'll probably watch YouTube videos all day if not watching a movie. Then I'll end my night with YouTube after I do my evening activities and just go to bed to it. And uh, 
mostly it's sports, movies, TV, bunch of bullshit like that. But I don't know. I couldn't imagine my life without YouTube now. And now you, this is your chance to possibly make a career out of it. And most importantly, like you said, is influence, entertain, and inspire. See right there possibly you said possibly i am and time is slowly catching up i'm speaking it into existence but yeah you brought up a lot of good things man youtube there's so many different angles you can take it it's the wild west of the internet where you can see actually maybe not wild west there's a lot of crazy stuff but it is it is society on a screen um you brought up you could change a tire you can find educational videos you can find entertainment videos you can find any anything that you want um but for me and i was going to say this before but youtube tells you what you want to watch when's the last time you search something like i I would probably say out of 90% of the YouTube videos I watch, it's all come from my recommended page. And that's how YouTube's algorithm wants it. And of course, if I'm trying to look for something, I'll search it up. But we're talking about what type of content I watch. Mostly, I watch a lot of news. That's where I get my news. And which news specifically? Do you go, are you more the mainstream NBC, CNN, Fox News? Are you going a little more alternative i go for personalities and i think that's where a lot of news is heading um because so right you think of fox news very it's it's very right influential and then as a counteract cnbc cnn nbc they're all very left influential they're all left into influenced and there's basically um i listen to all sides right so Patrick Bet David with Value Tainment. That's where I get a lot of my news from. Yeah, who are some of these people you would suggest people get a lot of my news from? Yeah, I was going to ask, who are some of these people you would suggest people get their news from? Um, Patrick Bet David, he is a Iranian entrepreneur. He runs Value Tainment. Um, I get a lot of, lot of, learned a lot from him. I listen to Ben Shapiro, and I don't know where this is going, but he's actually a libertarian and he gets pigeonholed to being an alt-right. But I think we have a problem today with cancel culture, right? If someone has a different view than you, don't cancel them out. Hear them out and then form your own opinion. So I like to listen to both sides. And that's, I will say, uh, not even that. I will say he's the guy who has more right-leaning beliefs that I will listen to. So not to say he's right about everything, but... Um, I'm open-minded to hear what he has to say, so I get um, my info from him from what that is right-leaning. Patrick Bet David, he's more moderate. He's more to the left. I'd probably say I get it from him. Joe Rogan, um, I get my news from, and I, I get from both sides. I listen to both sides, and then I form my own opinion. And I think we have gotten too far of that right now. This country is in a craziest time. We talked about it before, right? If be a student of history. Because if you are able to study history, you have a better ability to predict the future. So you refer to, I like to refer to 1968 and 1969 on what's going on. And for those people who aren't too familiar with what happened in 1968, 1969, 1968 was when MLK was assassinated. Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated, who was most likely going to be peak of it 1969 had the most people most we had the most troops in um in vietnam at that time and it's just there's a lot of turmoil a lot of race riots a lot of riots and so it's important to study 1968 and 1969 um to get a better gauge and remember this is pre internet this is pre internet i mean pre media boom all you had was your three channels in the radio yeah. your nbc cbs abc and then you of PBS and then a few cable channels and then that's it. You you this it's crazy how different yet so similar it is. Like race issues are still as prevalent in '68 as they are now. Um, we still see. I one thing you mentioned uh, with poli- police brutality is still very much an issue. '68 had the 1968. Uh, I think it was the Democratic National Convention in Chicago where it was riots and people got bad. You could see clear footage of cops using their kendo stick or the thing. 
keep hitting people and it's scary how back then they had a film camera to show it now we have our phones and we're still showing it so yeah that actually um that you know sparked an idea in my head that you know it's crazy it's been crazy all throughout history however though i think a lot of people today can lose track and lose touch of how crazy it is there's a lot of craziness today however though people everyone today has a cell phone that everyone can have a voice which is good but everyone's reporting it at the same time and our brain can have a disillusion of how much violence and how much turmoil that is going on and let me say there is violence and there is turmoil going on but we have confirmation bias in our head that and this this pours into the media too is whenever you turn it on right you're just going you're always going to see the negative story before you're going to see the positive story why is that that taps into evolutionary psychology when we were evolving we have developed when we were evolving death was was so common death was so prevalent in our life right you'd be lucky to live past 30 years old for the longest time for the last 10,000 years so our brains have developed a mechanism to always look for something negative over something that is positive because if we can look for what's negative, that will ensure our safety better. It's easier to discuss and talk about it, spark a conversation, and it's and just easier to clickbait. That is true. Like an example, I would say, like even though this is a sports example, we talk about negative stuff. So we have the Yankees; they got out, right? They got eliminated. You could complain about the pitching decision for Boo. You could complain about Chapman smiling and giving away the a, a, two straight seasons with a season-ending home run. You could talk about the Yankees not hitting. All those things could be listed, right? And then, like, if you you could talk about the disappointment of the Yankees; they were underachieving. Now, if you talk about the Rays who beat them, all you could say, "Oh, the Rays beat them." I mean, yeah, they had this, that, and the other. They'll talk about it's. It's more they could talk about you know them being able to get wins from having such a low payroll. But that's not as interesting. Talk about the Yankees underachieving again, you know. Definitely, that is true too. It's easy to just kind of hop in if something's negative to speak on that because it's a lot easier to say that's bad that's crap rather than giving a reason why you like something absolutely and yeah it's it's just so much easier like if you just call in see listen to radio shows and they're all the callers are negative calls no one's like man i really liked if we talk about like in football now both football teams are horrible in new york people are gonna just complain about the giants no one is gonna be like oh you know who really darius slayton did really good in that game he had a lot of fantasy points they're just not talking about it they're gonna talk about how um they're gonna just talk about the failure of daniel jones and just this mess yeah people just like the bad stuff and i I think that just goes back to our evolutionary psychology how we're always looking for the negatives before the positives Mm -hmm. so where so where were you last week this past weekend you uh went away and where did you go this past weekend um very fortunate to be where i'm at in life right now i work for lax.com i'm the host of their social media and there was a big lacrosse event a big uh big recruiting event and it was a really cool event because not what was it called it was called uh, apex fall national showcase and the really cool thing about it was you don't see this too many times in any other sport but literally the pros were coaching uh the players and so it was so really, it would be like if it was football i don't know you see uh patrick this would be like if patrick like, Mahodes was te- was trading a high school exactly exactly so um this weekend, uh, I, there's this player, Zed Williams. For the, those people in the lacrosse world who know him, he's a very big name, big deal. And he, I would say, I would compare him to Kawhi Leonard of the league. Matt Rambo was there who, comparing him to a football like uh, Deion Sanders, where he talks a talk, but he walks a walk, like he backs it up. And how does the guy before, how is he like Kawhi? He's just, he's a tank. He's very quiet and very humble. And so me and Zed, we were just chopping it up. We hit it off. And the best compliment I got was I was talking to Zed Williams and Matt Ramble goes, geez, we never seen Zed talk so much. <laughs> and so like Zed was so humble. Um, I met a guy named Frank Brown. He's uh, He was another lacrosse player. And the really cool thing 
so lacrosse was created by the Native Americans. It's called the medicine game. They called it the medicine game, the creator's game. And one thing I really love to see is you see a lot of Native Americans. Lyle Thompson, he's probably the biggest name in lacrosse. Zed Williams, Frank Brown, um, just to name a few Native Americans. And you really just see them big figures in 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 this sport. And that is one demographic that you don't see too much compared to football or baseball, you know, or basketball. So it's really cool to see how they were the ones who created the game and they're the biggest names. So they just have a special, one thing I, I just love and I really admire the Native American cultures is they just have a very special connection to earth and nature. And one thing that was really cool was in the last doc or the last chance documentary with uh, Phil Jackson. He was a big proponent I mean, of you, you mean the last dance, the, the last Chicago dance. Bulls, yeah. the, the Chicago what I said, Bulls, the last do- like last whatever I said. So the last dance, and it was really cool. I thought he brought a lot of Native American tradi- traditions into the uh, not the Bears, the Bulls organization, and it just brought it over, brought just overall better team chemistry, and just di- very different practices. And it was really cool to see, and you know. I, I, you know, I like to study Native Americans just because they understood something that I think has been lost in time. They set the tone. I mean, they hit it here first. You know, going back, you talk about lacrosse. You work for lacrosse. And lacrosse, I think, lacrosse is a great sport. It's fun to watch. It's entertaining. It's very savage at times. But why do you think lacrosse doesn't have the influence as, say, football does in the United States or basketball or, like, soccer in Europe? But we'll specifically focus on America, but, like, how come lacrosse doesn't have the same influence like basketball, baseball, basketball, football has? Like, why isn't ESPN putting featuring the pros on Sports Center. Why isn't Stephen A and Max Kellerman talking about it on on um first take? Uh that's a good question. Um it's slowly getting there and I, I probably think one of the biggest things is it's a very expensive sport. So when I you know I'm working in if you want to start lacrosse if you want to if you want to start playing like you're probably gonna have to drop at least twelve hundred dollars to start and man not a lot of people have that it's i don't have that like it's it's a very expensive sport and i think that stunts a lot of its growth and it's slowly getting there this summer it was on um i think cbs or nbc it was on one of the big channels on the championship series and it's slowly starting to get out there. Paul Rabel, he's like the forefront of it. He's doing a really good job, and he and it's it's starting to grow out into Japan, um, North Korea, North Korea, not North Korea, South Korea. I'm bugging, uh, South Korea, Japan, Israel's got a big scene. Europe, or not Europe, but well, yes, in Europe, but um, Britain, England in particular, Australia, and it was really cool. So during quarantine, I was able to do Instagram lives with all these pro lacrosse players. And when I would try to like, you know, warm up the the crowd, warm up the audience, I would say, oh, drop where you're from. And I just remember there's always this recurring guy from Japan. There's a recurring guy from um, South Korea. So it's growing. It's just a very expensive sport. And I think of where lacrosse is, is where baseball was in the 1950s. So there's a few, there's a few lacrosse players who are able to make lacrosse their full-time job. But it's slowly getting there why compared to the 1950s is because, like, Mantle, right? Mantle probably was able to make f- baseball his full-time thing, but a lot of people in the 50s, they had a second job. Not a lot of people wow. know that. Yeah, a lot of players, specifically baseball, would have winter jobs. Isn't that yeah. crazy? I think I think Yogi Berra, it's either Yogi Berra or Mickey Mantle, they were in business together or Phil Rizzuto. Yeah, that's they they didn't get enough money. I, I think, you know, one thing I learned is um I think Jim Brown I know we're going from baseball to football, but when Jim Brown played in the sixties, I think he was a bottle boy. It's either Jim Brown or Gail Sayers who just passed away R. I. P. That they um yeah, he he was a bottle service guy. He 
and this dude was that face of the yeah, NFL. That's actually well, um, one coincidence. So Jim Brown is actually a big lacrosse guy. He played lacrosse in Sy- at Syracuse, and he's he's a he's a pretty big figure. Uh, what was it about to say? But yeah, um, talk about how lacrosse was in the fifties. Oh no! Okay, you want to talk about fifty? No, baseball. I remember baseball in the fifties. You want to talk about a different time? Can you imagine Yogi Berra and Mickey Mantle leaving your professional job to go fight a war in World War Two? Yeah, yeah. You found those more back then. Yeah, in the forties, you had like Ted Williams fought in World War Two. Joe DiMaggio fought in World War Two. I mean, you had actors do the same thing. Henry Fonda fought in World War Two. There was actually yet yeah, seven, I think, seven presidents who fought in World War Two, which is really, really astonishing. But just completely different times today. We're very fortunate where we. I don't think there will ever be a draft. I believe we have. There's like eight hundred thousand active servicemen right now, and there's probably like one point two million reserved. But uh, fortunately, you know, our military is big enough where we don't have to go through a call to arms. Yeah, I hear you on that. And for anyone who is out there, those men and women who are fighting for our country, nothing but love and respect. And thank you for your service and what you're doing. But yeah, I hope we don't have to be in a world where there's a draft again. Yeah, 100%. Thank you to the servicemen out there, the brave men and women. I definitely hear you on that, Brendan. Definitely hear you on that. All right, you mentioned quarantine. So about seven months, I think almost to this day when we're recording when we're recording this, October okay, it's October twelfth. So what? Yeah, it's about a full seven months since the country went on lockdown. The day, you know, we saw in the coming weeks what was this coronavirus, how it was affecting over out in China. And then it sadly made its way across the entire world and it really hit us hard here. Now it was seven months since that day of lockdown. You know, we're slowly getting trying to get back. We're wearing our masks. We are I would like to I would like to think most of us are wearing the mask. Clearly not a, not all of us in this world and country. Some of us believe in it, some of us don't. But regardless, this is a life changing event and a crazy event in history what we're going through right now. But, you know, some good things have come out of it, like this podcast, or, you know, hopefully some people find a new hobby or skill or met somebody new in their lives that quarantine wouldn't have made it possible. But back then, you know, quarantine was a shitty time. This shit sucked. It was annoying. It was scary. Um, You know, social media didn't help the cause. It just enhanced the fear of it. And, well... And then, you know, other people were annoying about it, whether you're a celebrity singing Imagine or whatever. It was it, it was some time, and, you know, we're still, honestly, we're still trying to get back to normal with that, and we, I hope we're, I hope we're closer to the end, or, but um, when we go more in detail about that and seeing how this is going to end, but I want to ask you, Brendan, what did you think of quarantine? How was your quarantine? How has it been? How was it? How's it been? And what was it like for you? What will you tell your kids one day what it was like to experience the coronavirus pandemic of 2020? It was definitely a time in history that will be in the textbooks that we live through. Definitely. I think our kids and our grandkids are going to ask us, oh, what was it like? I like to look for the positives over the negatives. A lot of great people were lost, and RIP to those people and those families who were affected due to coronavirus. But one of the biggest things I can think of was a lot of us, and especially, you know, me and you, was we had a lot more family dinners. Everyone was home, so we were given the opportunity to have a lot more family dinners every single night compared to maybe once or twice a week because all of us, five of us, were always in different places at different times. So that was one of the biggest things I can take away from was family dinners. Luckily, I, I have two routines I have a morning routine and a night routine that I have to do every day. If I don't, you know, my biological compass is all antsy. And so I remember just always waking up early. I'm glad that I always woke, I woke up early and that, you know, got that snowball, snowball effect to get my day going. Um, 
one thing that I'm glad that I kept from quarantine was a good routine. So no access to the gym and I didn't want what I gained in the gym to go away. So I really just went hard with body workouts. I did 100 push-ups every day, 60 pull-ups, 60 dips, 100 sit-ups, 100 body squats. And transitioning to now post-quarantine, that's something I continue to do is 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 60 pull-ups, 60 dips. Um, But quarantine, I think, gave us a very unique opportunity. Of course, it was very rough for a lot of us. However, though, we had a lot of free times on our hands. And uh, I hope everyone took the time to seize the moment and acquired a new skill. Yeah, that's that's what I really think. You know, it's been a tough year and quarantine definitely just another part with it. You know, coming here, I... Um, I was in between jobs already between quarantine. You know, I work in a lot of freelancing for what I do on my way to becoming a producer. So I was just looking for a new project at the time. And when quarantine, right? The week quarantine hit last time, well, I've been in the city since, but the last time I went to the city for an interview, which, you know, when I'm not working, I usually am fortunate enough to get a lot of interviews. And um, there's just another one. I interviewed for two positions. I interviewed for The Daily Show and I interviewed for another employer S&P and that week of I had really great interviews really great in-person interviews and I'm a former Viacom intern intern and production assistant ready for the next level and I did well in my two interviews I feel and then quarantine hit and I talked to my interviewer about hey you see what's this thing going on in China it's scary right who would have thought jokes on us now that's affecting us and i'll never know that's there's a lot of things i wonder how things would have gone without quarantine um probably one of the toughest well i mean i know in my head what the toughest what if factor is and i will share that later on in this podcast but definitely the second most um the second most you know the second most humbling thing to wonder is that if what I've, I've gotten in these jobs in quarantine, I'll never know. And, uh, yeah, I was ready to start work good again. And I really felt out good. And I, I think I knew, I think I, I genuinely believe if quarantine didn't happen, I would, I would uh, get that job, either, either one of those jobs and I'll never know. And I will say if quarantine didn't happen, this podcast would, I mean, maybe it would have been, created but it would definitely would have be here to this day but i don't know it's been tough but i did learn a lot of things probably the best thing is to learn to be my biggest fan and you know obviously people say learn to love yourself but that is really one to appreciate the real ones including our family i do appreciate all those dinners we have with mom and dad and tommy and everyone else i can and now that we're slowly meeting with people with masks hopefully or you know Hopefully, if you are not in that way, it you know the worst case scenario doesn't happen if you're not wearing a mask. But it's it's been a time. What a time to be alive, indeed. And I let's say that I'm probably gonna say that quarantine is the most fun I never want to have again. Actually, no, it's not fun. It's it's definitely a, maybe the personal development was fun, but shit, it was. This shit was hard, man. And I'm just glad we're slowly on the road to recovery, even even if it's shit. I don't know who, who you believe. I do think the election is going to be a part of it. It will help di- dictate how things go or at least how the attitude towards this, you know. Um, if you want to get into that, like, you know, three weeks from tomorrow when we record this is the election. Three weeks. Donald Trump... Joe Biden. I know there's the other candidates. I know there's a libertarian. I'm sorry, I can't think. I'm sure there's an independent person running. There's like four I saw. But, I mean, who cares who's running for the Green Party or, like, the Libertarian Party? Like, it's either going to be a Democrat or Republican. Right. Right. And, um... Yeah, Brendan, what are you thinking? I mean, if you want to say who you voted for, that'd be great. Um, But how do you feel? What's going on? Like, this is... These are going to be the probably the most intense three weeks that we went through a fucking pandemic. 
And now we have this, the most important election of our lifetime. What are your thoughts coming into the final three weeks of this? Um, I think the country is more divisive than ever. I think anyone who doesn't share your same belief, you automatically turn them off, you rule them off. And I'll just say this one thing when it comes to politics. We all have to stop looking for politicians for salvation. There's enough opportunity. We all have this square little thing in our pocket called an iPhone connected to the world. Never has man had that in his pocket before. You're connected to the whole world. You're connected to every opportunity, resource, piece of information. We have to stop looking to politicians for salvation because there's enough. The pie is large enough where everyone can have a a piece and a slice and be full and enjoy it and give us enough opportunity. I hear that, man. What do you think of those people... There are a lot of people who are really hopeless for this country. There are people who say this is one of the worst places to live. As, and you know, maybe they are having something with all the social justice issues we've dealt with, the handling of this pandemic, the issues with employment, the issues with health care, the environment. Now, I if you see that clock in Union Square in New York where they have the clock that it, climate change can never be reversed. I think it's about seven years. What do you say to those people who say this is not the place to be right now, the United States of America? Um, I can see where they're coming from. There is a lot of turmoil in this country right now, a lot of anger, a lot of aggression, a lot of divisiveness. But I can't say I agree with them that this is the worst country to live in. America was built on the liberty, on the you know the ideas of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, free speech, and a lot of countries do not have that right. I could just think of a lot of countries where I'd rather be here than, for example, right now. A lot of people probably aren't aware of this. There's a war going on between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Where those are is basically where Russia meets the Middle East. Those are some countries, there are like two countries in between. That is one of the last few wars of aggression, wars over territory. So innocent people, bombs are just being dropped on their head. Venezuela right now, they're going through a rough dictatorship. Syria, their president is dropping bombs and chemical chemical weapons on their president, um, on their people. Yemen, there's a civil war going on. So I would rather live in America than any one of those countries. Needless to say, you know, I'm sure there's a lot there's a lot of beauty in those countries. There's a lot of good people in those countries. However, though, I think we have opportunities and liberties in this country that not a lot of people are gifted with. Yeah, exactly. I think those people complaining on Twitter or your group chats or your French friend conversations, they're not talking about that stuff. I mean, I talked to a guy, right? One of my buddies complains to me about the bullshit happening in this world right now and I say hey friend I won't say his name but I say why don't you move out of the country you're really complaining about it you seem miserable here why the hell you want to live here if you hate it so much and he's like oh man you know it's not like it's that easy I mean it's probably expensive it's expensive as fuck to relocate anywhere but I'm sure if you want to do it you could get out of here. And I and I think we're slowly, there's some other countries, are, the European Union is going to start allowing some of the Americans to come back to their country. I think starting with London. You can go there once the travel ban's done. It's slowly ending. That's what, I mean, that's my thing. Like, I know this country isn't, isn't the greatest place to live. I mean, sorry. This country right now isn't, the greatest, happiest place in the world, but it's still pretty damn great. I mean, yeah, we live in a country where we're not in the middle of war, where we don't have bombs coming at us. We live in a country where you really can be go from rags to riches with hard work. President Obama and um, Bill Clinton, President Clinton, both of those people came from poverty and then they became the leader of the free world. Right, and I really believe if Trump and Biden were not running for president in an alternate world and we had two studs whoever that man or woman is on the Republican or Democratic ticket I don't think people would be complaining as much as they have and you know we're we in this in the Trump era that we're in right now in his first administration he isn't 
inspirational at all. He upsets a lot of people. He, um, you know, he isn't exactly Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. And I think the most important aspect of this election, more than anyone, any other, is that we're voting for an attitude change. We really are. I, we, People don't like Biden either, and I know Biden isn't, again, Biden is not inspirational to a lot of people. Maybe he is to some. I know a lot of others aren't too big of fans, and this is another election that they'll say, oh, pick the lesser of two evils. But remember, you're voting for Biden's secretary of state. You're voting for his VP. You're voting for all these people. And I think with such negativity that the Trump administration has caused to so many people in this world, especially specifically in the United States, I think you're voting to have that attitude change and to feel better. At least I think that's the attitudes one can have if they're really that upset and aren't exactly studying his policy, his foreign, his foreign policies or his environmental approaches. Vote for an attitude change, if anything, and then things will trickle down from there. Yeah, I definitely um, think there needs to be some change because there are race riots going on. There's a economic recession. There's a lot of people who are unhappy. There's a lot of divisiveness in this country. And I think it is time for a change. Very much so. It is time for a change. All right, let's talk, you know, at the tail, starting to hit the tail end of this. Let's talk about some other, like, let's talk with some more fun things, right? Pretty serious now. One thing I'm going to have is a lot of random ass questions. All right, let's go. RAQs. This is where I'm going to go with me and my podcast, which is one of the reasons why I made this podcast. I like to ask a lot of people random questions, whether it's a friend I've known forever, family member, someone I just met. I just love it. Let's keep you thinking on your thing. Let's think of some random ass questions right now. RAQs. So, Brendan, what is your best girl advice right now for or I should say dating advice. So Best dating advice? Yeah. Um, I'll speak for where I'm at in my life because I think every person... As a 22-year-old man. 22-year-old who's got somewhat it, of it figured it out. I'm doing pretty well for myself, I would say. And I'm not looking for any girls right now. Um, I'm trying to get to the top of the mountain. And then once you have the beautiful view and you have the resources, then look for her. Um... I just, I think if, if you aren't in the place where you want to be in life, don't look for her. Figure, figure yourself out, figure your issues out first. And it's so funny because I don't know if you can relate to this, but the moment that you stop looking for someone, all the females start coming. But when you're actively looking, you can't find any. And I'm, I'm experiencing that right now. But best dating advice is... Work on yourself, have your business going, have your health going, have your money right, and then she will um, she will miraculously appear. Good stuff. Very, very solid. Yo, tell me um, tell me a random funny bar story. Um, not the biggest bar guy. Um, biggest bar. Okay, I'll tell you this one story. I was with me and my boys. We were at the Stanford rooftop, and just this old head came by, and I don't know what his deal was, but he was pretty drunk. And he was just chopping it up with us. And uh, my boy Nick convinced this guy that my boy Kaides was Jason Giambi's son. So he just believed that Kaides was Jason Giambi's son. Yo, who? when was the last time you laughed really hard? The last time I laughed really hard <laughs> was that video. Um, I was, we were just in the couch. I was on the, sitting on the couch with Matt and Tommy and... Matt's video there's this video of you in middle school your friends I don't even know if you're in the video but your friends and it was a band video like they're just being interviewed by some random guy and it was the worst you know the band kids the coolest kids on the block it was just definitely middle school those awkward years the audio was so bad the picture quality was so bad and it was so funny because you see the guy the instructor speaking to these kids and then it slowly pans out and it ends up being Matt's friends and I just thought that was pretty hilarious because the guy gave all very creepy vibes very very keep your kid away from this guy vibes yeah my bank my band kid friends were totally they got so many girls you know all the parties they would play their saxophone at the parties you know all that yeah <laughs> oh man 
Can you tell me a funny middle school story then? A funny middle school story um, just popped up. So this girl gave my friend Mitchell a love letter. <laughs> and we all start reading the love letter and everyone starts hyping it up and everyone starts gassing it up. And the security guard, Miss Rogers, comes over and she's like, what is this note? Takes the note. And she, st- and she starts reading it out loud, but she doesn't realize she has her hand on the microphone, on the megaphone. So she goes, Mitchell, I have been watching you from a far distance. And everyone starts hyping it up. And she's like, oh, she didn't realize she had her hand on the microphone. So everyone realized it and everyone, she, the girl got exposed. Did she say from your lover, Stacy? I, secret admirer. I think. Well, I don't know if it's Stacy, but I, it might have been like, I think her, her friend gave it to her. But that was fun. Yo, I was in middle school. I remember I had a note story. This is crazy because this is really now texting. There's no such thing as note passing notes. Not really. At least I don't know. I haven't been in high school in eight years. We can ask Tommy. But um, I remember another teacher intercepted a note once. It was like on a Friday. Say, like, hey, Paul. He's like Paula and like, we'll say Paula and Paulina. I think they were their names. Paula and Paulina. Paul Paulina sends a note to Paul and they're going back and forth. Mr. Klein, a.k.a. the greatest teacher in West Rocks Middle School history in all Connecticut. The famous Mr. Klein, right? He intercepts it. And he takes the note, he read, and he reads it out loud. And he was like, hey, Paulina, you ready to go to the movies tonight? And then I swear to you, he really, literally reads this. Yeah, I can't wait to get out of this fat motherfucker's class. <laughs> and, he read, and he read that out loud. <laughs> and he read that was read that out loud. That was right because that was kind of one of those unspoken rules where if the teacher caught you passing notes, they got to read it out loud. But that was one thing, yeah. Like I remember, like <laughs> I, I like passed some notes. There was our our grade. We had phones. Um, our generation, like it was a mixture of like texting and passing notes. So not as prevalent as maybe our parents' generation, but some notes went around. I remember also middle school. People fought more in middle school than high school. Yeah. I don't At least know. at West Rocks, Connecticut, the NPS system. I think... Not all public schools, of course. I think there was less repercussion. You know, you fight someone and, like, you get yelled at. You might get ISS, but if you fight someone in high school, like, then the police can get involved. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the thing, too, is, like, nowadays... Everyone's got a phone. There's a camera everywhere. So there's a lot more repercussion with what you do. And probably we'll wrap it up with um with these questions. It's like, yo, what is what, what's some what's some advice you have to go for the rest of the year? 2020, we're about two and a half months to go. What is the way to go for the rest of 2020? The man, there's so much. I think. Whenever you ask me that question, like I'll have a different answer for you. But right now it's at the top of my mind is have a routine. I have two routines in my day. I mentioned it earlier before, but have a routine where you could have a completely bad day. But if you get this routine done, you'll be closer than you were yesterday. Right. We hear that. I hear that, bro. And yeah, so um, wrapping this up, what did we learn today? Learned about um, the rise in the social media world. We learned about your views on how things are going on in this country. I think the audience liked an introduction to you, so like this introduction to you. So we got a lot out of it, and even stuff with the election was cool. I think yeah, the election's coming in, and you have to vote. You should vote because a lot of brave men and women put their lives on the line for us Definitely. to vote. Shout freedom, freedom doesn't come free. Um, it's our civil duty to vote, but also to don't expect politicians to be your your saviors. Don't look for politicians for salvation. There's a lot more things that you can go on because think about this. Is Donald Trump or president or is Trump or Biden going to be at your Thanksgiving dinner? Is he going to be at your Christmas? Is he buying Christmas presents? Is he Is he paying your bills? Is he going to the gym for you? Is he influencing people for you you know there's a lot of things that we can control that will affect our everyday lives before whoever's in office
I hear that indeed, bro. I hear that indeed. So do you have anything to say to the Productive Conversation fan base or anyone in this world? Anything to end it off with? Um, I think a lot of us are looking for where we should go, what life should take us. I'm going to share with you guys this last piece. Follow your Eulerian destiny. Think of a Venn diagram with four circles and each circle pulls from a different part of your life and where all four of those circles meet, that's your Eulerian destiny. So it's what have you been doing for the last five to 10 years of your life? What did you grow up around? What do, comp- what do strangers compliment you on? And then what could you talk effortlessly on a Saturday night with your friends? Figure out what that common trait is and that's what you should go for. Don't just go for, I think, I think there's a notion of belief that we all need to work in a corporate atmosphere and we, and a lot of us do and it's nothing's wrong with that but I think a lot of us are creatives. A lot of us are artists. A lot of us are, you know, entertainers and I think we should pursue that. Amen to that. All right, Brendan. Brendan St. Brown, Brendan Brown, it's been real, it's been fun, and thank you for being my first guest here on the Productive Conversations podcast. All right, any last, any, any flats, any final things? Appreciate you, man. That was a good time. Good time, bro. Love you, dog. I love you, too. All right, we'll see you again. All right, see All right, guys, so that was the conversation of a lifetime with my brother, Brendan. I do love that guy. Very insightful. Very, 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 very poetic. And well, that's why I had him as my first guest. Not only someone I could connect with and someone I really, you know, admire and respect, but he really does have a lot of great things to say. So thank you, Brendan, for coming on. And that's it. That's the first episode of the Productive Conversations podcast. And it's been a blast. It's been real. And it's been such a good time. All right. I will see you. I love all of you. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Keep it crispy. And never, ever give up in this world. Don't forget to vote. All right. We'll see you soon on the Productive Conversation Podcast. Peace.